Hello and welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. Uh, I'm Meera Chandan from the Global FX Strategy Team. And I'm joined today by Aditya Chordia and Francis Diamond from the European Rates uh, Strategy Team as well. Uh, today, we will be talking about implications for several events um, uh, that in some cases could be quite relevant for European rates and, and FX markets uh, in September. Specifically, uh, on the political side of things, we have the Tory leadership outcome on September 5th, uh, the Italian elections on September 25th. Uh, and among the central bank meetings, we have the ECB on uh, the 8th and the BOE on the 15th. Uh, so to state up front, uh, you know, the view so far uh, on the rates side has been for European rates to outperform the U.S. Um, you know, Aditya has been underweight uh, BTPs as well. Uh, in the U.K., uh, Francis has been neutral overall on duration. But in inflation markets, uh, we have been recommending long front-end inflation in both Europe uh, area and U.K., uh, and on the FX side, we've been underweight the euro block, uh, particularly euro and sterling uh, versus Swiss and versus the dollar. And those views continue to be unchanged. So with that in mind, uh, let's start with the key events in euro area. Uh, Aditya, uh, what is the baseline for two events in your space, uh, the ECB and the Italian elections? Sure, Mira. So on the ECB, we are expecting a 50 basis point hike in September. But also going forward, like we now expect a 50 basis point hike from them in October also, with a chance of them delivering another 25 in December before pausing on back of uh, imminent recession, which we are projecting now for the fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter of next year in Euro area on back of energy crisis. And on Italy, going into the 25th of September election, I think the right consensus, and we share the same view that uh, right-wing government is the base case led by brothers of Italy, as the polls have been quite stable and showing that right-wing majority. But the thing is, we do anticipate some political uncertainty in the run-up of the election as, com- as the campaign sort of goes into the final stretch in coming weeks and for a while afterwards also as the new government formation process happens with some impact on growth and markets. That remains our base case. Okay, and uh, out of these, which one is uh, out of the ECB and the Italian elections, uh, which one of these is more relevant uh, for European rate markets in your view? And how are you positioned going into these events? So on the, I think the both are quite relevant. I think from a more imminent and a strong conviction trade we have, I think it's the Italian elections, because clearly whenever there is politics in Italy involved, we have market which tends to panic a bit more. This time around, seems like the market is a bit more uh, relaxed about it because recently the commentary from uh, Brothers of Italy members have been quite constructive. But we still remain of the view that there is a lot of uh, campaign talks going on, but actual pain will come when they are close to the election or in the government and when they have to implement policies, which would likely be different from the existing government ones. So we still remain of the view that there will be a bit more choppiness and volatility going into and around and post the election. And hence, we still remain quite convinced that an underweight is a good trade even after the recent widening. We still prefer expressing it via short centennial Italy versus Germany. Uh, we, In terms of target, I think 250 basis point is the first point where I will reassess. We are at 225 basis point level now. Uh, but can it go wider easily? But it depends on then how, what is the political recourse and what's the ECB pushback. But we remain quite convinced. Uh, the second one, I think if I have to prior, uh, rank them, I think the ECB uh, is 
important, but a bit less than Italy because like, yes, market is already pricing a 50 basis point hike from them in September, maybe a bit more with some chance of 75. But if you look at our call of almost 125 basis point of hikes by December, market is already there. Market is pricing 130 basis point of cumulative hikes by year end. Where we disagree with the market is for the early part of 2023, where market is pricing uh, another 50 basis point of hikes or them ECB sort of going small restrictive by late, uh, by going into the summer next year, which in our view will be a bit challenging because we will be looking at the imminent recession around uh, late fourth quarter. And there we believe the reaction function of this ECB would be different where they have to tackle a bit more of slowing down of demand coming from recession and hence requiring less from the rate hiking part. So we still like our medium-term strategic trade of long euro rates versus U.S. with the preference for five-year Germany versus U.S. to express the trade. But we do accept in the near term where the market focus still remains on inflation, it will be a bit of a pain trade. And that's what we saw in the last week. So we still like the trade, but I think in the near term, a bit more tactical flavor might be required. Okay, thanks for that, Aditya. Uh, so it looks like underweight uh, BTPs is uh, is pretty much uh, remains a high conviction view even at these levels. Uh, so let's just turn to um, the UK now and also inflation markets. Uh, Francis, how relevant is the Tory leadership choice for UK rates? Uh, is it as important as uh, things are in Italy? And then secondly, should markets be worrying about uh, the BOE losing its independence as well? Well, I think there are. It's important, but I would say the way we're thinking of this, it's, it's not probably the same as Italy in terms of there's a clear cut trade that we can have around this this event. Uh, and I think really our sense is the BOE repricing on the data flow has been much more relevant over the past couple of weeks in terms of what we now have priced for terminal rates above 4%. And the, the, the Tory election backdrop under the assumption, given the pollings of a trust victory, clearly is going to require some additional fiscal response to the, the gas price pressures. Um, I think there's been a, a bit more of a pivot away in terms of something that's quicker rather than a, a longer lasting uh, tax changes that have been mentioned. So I think there are medium to long term implications through deficit, through financing, but we really need to see the size of these packages and we really need to see the mechanics of how these are going to work. But to be quite honest, I think this kind of gets lost in the wash against the data flow and, and a, a BOE is having to react to pretty significant persistence in inflation pressures. We've tended to avoid positioning for sort of fiscal kind of trades here in terms of curve steepness or swaps red now as purely on a fiscal dynamic. I think you need to see more stability in the BOE's reaction function and markets getting uh, less volatile before we can start the shift to trading that as a direct consequence of the, the Tory election. In terms of the independence, I mean, I think if there was a risk the BOE could lose independence, then yes, all markets should worry. Uh, I think the risk is pretty low. Um, I think there's been a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors discussion around some of the potential changes that could be made. I think the hard realities of dealing with a energy crisis once uh, the new prime minister is in will take precedence. And don't forget, the BOE independence is enshrined in a parliamentary act, which would actually require legislation to overturn that. And I think our sense here is the bar for that happening is, is actually probably very high. So if it was a realistic threat, I think be a worry. I think our sense is it's probably less relevant um, and will end up being lost in the in the final outcomes once we see the results of the Tory party uh, election on the 5th of September. Uh, shifting gears a bit, um, clearly inflation is uh, the hot topic in Europe. 
uh, gas price rises is something that everybody is focused on um, in European markets. It's a big concern for Europe, uh, both economically and politically. Um, where can inflation peak and what does that mean for inflation markets? Well, I think we're not yet at the peak. And I think the, the difficulty we've had is really a sense of the peak is being pushed back, as you say, given that the large move in European and UK gas prices. So the forecast assumptions here become pretty tricky in terms of where we, we pin gas prices over the next few quarters. But for now, our econ team, we've got a peak in HICP headline uh, around about 10% in the fourth quarter. And we've got a peak in UK RPI close to 16%. Um, it's more of a double peak, really, in terms of uh, around the, the energy price um, uh, fixes. So in October and January next year. And I think the, the dynamic and the narrative here is different from the US, where we've got a clear downward trend in headline inflation. We've seen the peak. Uh, it's sticky. There are transient factors at work that probably become more permanent. But I think in Europe and the UK, the idea that we are not yet approaching peak pricing in inflation markets and peak expectations is really a function of the volatility and the uncertainty around, around gas price moves. And for inflation markets, I mean, they've picked this up a lot. I mean, we've seen big moves in front end, particularly the UK, given the big moves in gas prices. We also have to overlay some degree of uncertainty around Pacifics on fiscal measures in terms of mechanically what they do to short-term inflation prints. But I think the underlying sense here is that this, is, this problem is not going to be solved imminently. Um, this could last well into 2023. We also have a backdrop in both Europe and the UK in terms of broadening out of inflation pressures, more persistence in core services inflation particularly. And clearly, uh, more specifically for the BOE, that's running a lot of risks around second round effects and, and stickiness in, in wage price dynamics. So we think we want to be long inflation. Um, we want to target the front end of the inflation curve. Um, it's difficult to be long at the super front end on fixings. I think we'd be probably more focused around the two-year area, more, more specifically one-year, one-year in both HICP and UK RPI. And I think that's a trade we feel reasonably comfortable with as we have to get to the point of seeing sort of peak energy price uh, dynamics against a backdrop of very sticky inflation. Um, so that, that's kind of where we are, Mira, with the inflation angle. So why don't we shift over, Mira, to, to the FX world and in terms of your thoughts, how are you viewing this for both Euro and GBP? Sure. Thanks, Francis. I'd say for the euro and for sterling, we've been bearish, as I said, versus uh, the Swiss franc as well as uh, versus the US dollar. Uh, for euro dollar, our target has been 95. Uh, it's predominantly uh, premised on growth concerns uh, coming from energy dependence issues and how high gas prices are going. Uh, clearly, inflation is compounding the problem. ECB would like to hike, uh, but it's quite growth constrained as well. And uh, we just think that ECB rate hikes are just not going to be enough to move the needle on the euro, uh, since um, uh, you know, since that the growth drag is going to be the predominant issue, and the resulting capital outflows is going to be the predominant issue as well. Now, uh, we had pointed out um, uh, last week that euro dollar had been remarkably resilient, uh, given that conditions had actually been worsening in Europe, uh, given the gas prices and uh, given the economic momentum. Uh, but we do think the downward trajectory will resume. Uh, we've seen that already with euro dollar breaking parity, uh, but we think that there is more room for euro dollar downside. Uh, the important thing to keep in mind here is that real yields have moved in favor of the U.S., uh, Francis, in part uh, because of the dynamic that you highlighted, that inflation near-term in Europe is expected to stay quite high. 
Uh, and if you look at the currency itself, Euro doesn't actually discount any additional growth downgrades. So we do think that there is more of a discount that's warranted here. Uh, Italy, look, under normal circumstances, uh, widening peripheral spreads uh, when it is a systemic uh, issue and a region-wide issue does tend to be impact uh, the currency quite substantially. But in this case, this is, uh, I would consider, really more of an issue that is uh, specific to Italy by itself. Uh, Italian exit is not really something that's on the agenda. So it is, uh, you know, the Italian elections and political risk is best, best uh, played uh, through BTPs rather than through the currency. I think the channel of transmission to the currency is uh, is really through the growth outlook, uh, outlet and uh, the view that, um, you know, this is not what the region re needs right now, additional growth headwinds uh, in addition to what's going on in gas prices. So uh, we're bearish on euro, but it's not because of Italy. It's we bearish on euro because of the gas concerns and the relating growth and uh, stagflationary concerns. I think sterling, uh, very much a similar story. We are under wage sterling as well. Uh, we don't really think uh, BOE will be able to move the needle uh, very much like the ECB. Of course, the fact that the BOE can deliver more rate hikes than the ECB, uh, you know, could mean that euro sterling moves uh, lower over the coming months. Um, but really, the more um, important trades uh, that we have been recommending and teams we've been recommending is an underweight in sterling versus uh, versus Swiss and the dollar. I would say that uh, political issues um, are probably more tertiary for sterling, uh, very much like what we expect for Italy, uh, uh, the Italian elections and uh, euro as well. I think fiscal support uh, could be a mild sterling positive. Uh, when we get it, uh, that obviously has slightly hawkish BOE implications. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, uh, the market emphasis will continue to be stagflationary headwinds. And perhaps there's a bit of a divergence between the euro and sterling with sterling outperforming in the coming months. Uh, but eventually, uh, we still look for sterling to underperform versus some of these better um, sort of reserve currencies, which is the dollar and, uh, and the Swiss franc. Okay, thanks, Mira. So let's take a step back from Europe. What's the view on the broad dollar and FX markets in general? Yeah, I think for FX markets in general and the broad dollar, we've taken, um, uh, we, we've kind of uh, retreated from what was turning out to be a pretty uh, broadening global uh, growth slowdown, which included the US. I think the fact that we got the soft uh, inflation print and uh, better employment data out of the US has reduce the odds somewhat of um, a near-term U.S. recession. And so what we've essentially done is uh, retreated back to a situation where the U.S. might be on a more stable footing, but actually conditions in Europe uh, have worsened. So conditions outside of the U.S. have worsened. Europe, because of gas prices taking another leg higher, and China, I think, is an important one here as well. Uh, in China, we've seen a loss in uh, the momentum uh, the, the rebound that was happening, that has happened much quicker than expected. And data across the board, including investments, has actually disappointed. So, uh, you know, we think that this is the combination of those two factors has put us back um, into a regime which can be probably characterized best as U.S. exceptionalism light, light version, because U.S. is not really hitting it out of the ballpark. It's more because the rest of the world is actually doing more poorly. And I think all else equal that does equal uh, that does uh, suggest a stronger dollar here. So to put in final targets, I would say euro dollar ninety five, 
policy and why we think is going to head towards the 695 level and uh, in overall looking for dollar strength in the coming weeks. Um, that's all for now. Uh, to wrap up, uh, if you need more details on our research, please visit jpmm.com. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on August 24th, 2022.